So have you ever had to leave somewhere in a hurry? Ever had to dash out of somewhere really fast? Well, Robert Newman had an experience where he had to dash out of somewhere really, really fast. Newman was the custodian and caretaker of a church. And he had one of the church leaders come to him with kind of a strange request. It played out like this. He went home like he normally did at the end of the day, and, and he lived with his mom, and so him and his mom, they had dinner, and they did, played cards or whatever they did at night. And then Robert went on to bed like he normally did. He went to bed, but at some point a little later, after dark, he got up and he snuck out of the house, and he ran back up to the church. And when he got back up to the church, he met up with this church leader, John Pulling Jr., And so John Pulling Jr. and Robert Newman then proceeded to climb up into the steeple of the church that night. Now, why in the world would Pulling and Newman climb up into the steeple of their church after dark when most everybody in town had already turned in for the night? Well, the reason they did that is because Paul Revere asked them to do it. According to the Old North Foundation, this was the Old North Church in Boston, not just any old church. And the foundation said that what happened next was that Pulling and Newman, they took some lanterns up into the steeple. And those lanterns were designed to be signals to militia leaders so that they would know what the British troops were up to. University of Miami School of Communications notes that it seems as if those lamps were only on for about 30 seconds. And then about 30 seconds later, the British troops started banging on the doors of the church. Now, not really sure what happened to pulling, but Newman knew he needed to get out of there, so he jumped through a back window in the church and escaped. Got back home to Mama's house, went back to bed, and everything seemed fine. But then the next morning, troops were at Mama's house, And they arrested Robert Newman. But he didn't stay in the pokey very long because they didn't have any evidence against him. And so they had to let him go. In 1989, there were renovations on the Old North Church in Boston. And they knocked down a wall and they found this window that Newman escaped through. It had been bricked up since 1815. Now think a little bit about the irony of that. You have a church that was strategic in penetrating a most important dark night with light for the cause of freedom. And then 40 years later, it seemed like the church had too much light inside of it because the window was bricked up. So why was the window bricked up? Church guide Kira O'Leafy explains, those that sat on the right side during the Sunday services were blinded. So they asked the church to shut down the window. (laughs) So so the window was shut down because there was too much light coming into the room. It's an interesting bit of history that a place that did so much for the cause of freedom one day had too much light coming into it. You know, another interesting thing is how many people work really hard at bricking up their window to God. Maybe the, the light is just a, a little too strong for them. It's, it's too bright. Maybe it's just annoying and, and they want to brick it up and, and block off the light. Or, or maybe they don't like that side of their life 
And so they just let their spouse or their kids or their friends use that window. It's, it's not one really they're interested in. Or, or maybe they're really into HDTV, and man, everything's a makeover, you know? And they're just constantly going in there and, and coming up with new ideas to, to kind of cover up that window, or maybe even block it off with old customs and old habits and old traditions. But see, here's the thing. Just like with Robert Newman 241 years ago, the window to God, the door to God, is our only way of escape. It's our only way of escape. Escape from what, though? Well, Jesus is going to help us answer that question. Listen as we listen to the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 11, starting with verse 34. Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of your body. Imagine you were in this crowd of people that Jesus was teaching and talking to. And Jesus says, your eye is the, is the lamp of your body. Would, would you be confused? Would you begin to think, I, what is he talking about? The eye is the lamp of my body? You see, we tend to speak more literal when we're talking these days. But in ancient times, this, this would not be a strange way of talking. And it would make a whole lot of sense to these people. Because if you were to take a, a lamp on a dark night, light it, and put it in a central location of an ancient Palestinian home or an ancient Greek home, that one lamp would shoot light throughout the whole house. But you know, we don't have to nomad it back to ancient Palestine or or ancient Greek to figure out what Jesus is talking about, really. So, So let's modernize this a little bit. So imagine I go into a bakery. It hits your happiness. It hits your sorrow. It hits your pain. It hits your despair. It hits you when you are sick. It hits you when you are healthy. The light of Jesus hits your heart and your mind and your soul. That sounds pretty cool. But what does it look like in real life? Paul Knight is 20 years old. As we celebrate our freedom tomorrow as a country, his family will also be celebrating his 21st birthday. Paul lives with multiple disabilities. He lives with blindness, with autism, with cognitive impairments, and a seizure disorder. About eight years ago, his dad, John, wrote kind of an open letter about Paul, and he posted it on his blog. I want to read most, but but not all of that letter for us now. John Knight writes this. The 4th of July is a different sort of Independence Day for me. On July 4th, 1995, my multiply disabled son entered the world, and my life came crashing down around me, and would soon include a deep and intense bitterness toward God. I never denied that God existed or is powerful. I concluded he was mean and capricious. God was, was moody and fickle. But it also began God's work of creating an affection for him and for the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. I am often astonished when thinking back that I am now able to praise God for his goodness in giving my son his autism and blindness. None of this happened easily or by accident. He goes on to describe the people in his life that have helped him and people that are still helping him. He says this, my attorney, a man trained in conflict, said that my intensity and bitterness frightened him. 
but my pastors never wavered from bringing a message of hope and absolute certainty and the sovereignty and goodness of God even when I pushed them away. Shortly after my son was born, we dropped everything at church. Our small group, volunteering, Sunday school class, and attendance. But one couple, they refused to let us go. And they loved us with a gracious, firm, consistent tenderness that made me want to understand how they could love someone like me, my wife, or my son so completely. A couple of weeks removed from Father's Day. Fathers, I give us one more challenge here. He writes, My own father was the first person in the world to understand and communicate my son's value and inherent worth as a creation of a good and loving God to me. He has stood with me through much pain and sorrow and joy. My wife and I have not walked the same path. Hers has been much harder than mine for many reasons. I thank God every day, listen to this description, for this woman whose spine is made of steel and who loves me and our four children. He fired off a real bitter email to his pastor one day, and his his pastor responded tenderly, just with a little bit of scripture. And this is what he says about it. God used those words from the Bible, among many others, to create longings I didn't have, to start a dead heart beating, and to reveal when I was incapable of seeing the beauty, sufficiency, and majesty of Jesus Christ and his cross. And then he kind of finishes up. Living with a boy, now a teenager no less, who will always be dependent on someone for all his needs is hard. I have a daily, often hourly fight for joy in my salvation. If anyone tells you Christianity It's just a simple prayer. That's a lie. It's hard. And it is the most satisfying thing in the universe, but it's hard. And then he says this, yet through my oldest son's daily care, through my youngest son's premature birth, and now through my wife's ongoing battle with metastatic cancer. (laughs) Really? I mean, come on, God. Are you serious? All this on on one person? What are you doing? But this is what John Knight says. Yet through all of this, God is not just sustaining me, but revealing more of his goodness because he is sovereign over all these things for his glory and for my good. And then he closes. So on this Independence Day, I am grateful to Jesus for my real freedom in him and for giving me my boy to help me see it. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. Happy birthday, Paul. When you can look at the deepest, darkest pain of life and still see the light of Christ, that is freedom. When you can look at the deepest, darkest, most frustrating, most defenseless moments of life and still see the light of Jesus, my friend, that is freedom. That 
is freedom. I pray that the Son has set you free because if He has, you are free indeed.